Good evening. I do want to welcome everybody here tonight again on the first Wednesday, the first day of the new year. Um, we have been going through a, a series on spiritual gifts, and this evening the intention is to consider some very practical questions regarding spiritual gifts and to offer some comments. Uh, it'll be open to the brothers, as usual, to participate, so we would encourage that. And also I might say that we are hoping, intending, to have um, maybe another similar type setting, but maybe even smaller groups like we do on Sunday night where we can discuss this again and it would be even more discussional then and even more open, possibly split gender. Maybe a week from tonight, we'll see. We're kind of still working on the logistics of it, but um, we do trust to do that as well soon so it can be discussed even further. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the first question, and possibly the most um, relevant question to the to the study tonight, after all that we've considered regarding spiritual gifts uh, over uh, four weeks, uh, four messages, um, is this question: How can I identify my spiritual gift? How can I identify my spiritual gift? And uh, so, as you turn to First Corinthians twelve. I want to uh, make a couple of comments. Number one, um, I can say with very much confidence that there is no specific formula in the scriptures as to how to identify a spiritual gift. Okay, um, So uh, what we have to do, like with many things, is we have to take and uh, pull principles out and apply them to the situation, to the question. No specific formula. There's many things like this in the, in the Christian life, by the way. Uh, somebody might say to you, well, how do I walk in holiness? How do I live a sanctified Christian life? Um, all types of things where we cannot say, here is the formula. It's not formula-driven, but it's often spirit-driven or relationship-driven. And so we do not have a one, two, three step plan to identify a spiritual gift, but there are some things that we can pull out of this, the text, specifically the text on spiritual gifts, um, but other texts as well that help us to get uh, some ideas with this. Some people offer uh, various very practical suggestions, and some of them I think are helpful, although I don't necessarily have tons of biblical support for them. For instance, some would say, uh, consider which gifts you are drawn to, um, or for that matter, someone would term it like this, which gifts resonate with your soul? Well, that's a good thought. We can definitely think about that. What gifts am I drawn to? That's helpful. Um, consider which gifts you're good at. That's helpful as well. Um, all of these need to be balanced with the text, but these are helpful suggestions that you will find on lots of different, from lots of different pastors and uh, teachers that present on this. Uh, what types of things do you enjoy? Some would say are, is a worthy question to ask when you're trying to identify your spiritual gifts. Um, they would also say, ask others close to you. What do others that are close to you suggests that they see in you. That's helpful as well. I think that there's some value to that. Um, others would say, ask your church elders or ask your church pastors, what do they see in you? Um, and so forth and so on. So there's lots of very practical things that are offered. Again, because there's no specific formula laid out, uh, there's a, a varying amount of, of suggestions in this regard. But I want to give four things 
as quickly as I can from the text that I trust will help. Number one, understand spiritual gifts. Very simple. So 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So number one, if you really want to know what your spiritual gifts are, it certainly would be a good place to start to understand spiritual gifts. So we have four, at least four key texts on spiritual gifts. Read them. Identify the gifts. Take the list of gifts. Go through it. Understand spiritual gifts. That's very, very, very simple. I don't want to say too much more on that. Uh, number two, 1 Corinthians 14. There's another imperative, or there's, I should say, an imperative. After Paul gives lots of explanation about spiritual gifts and about love, there is an imperative. That is a command from Paul. What is the command? Well, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, and by the way, there are not a whole lot of imperatives in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. We don't have lots of commands there. There may be a few, but not many. Most of it is just general understanding as Paul lays it out. But 1 Corinthians 14, 1 gives a two-word command. Pursue love. Pursue love. So I am persuaded that this is a major part of it. Remember that love is both action and affection, or I should say it the other way. Love is both affection and action. It is both sincere care and sacrifice. So to pursue love is to pursue the heart of God, that I would love the Lord's people as he loves the Lord's, as he loves his people and as he desires me to love his people and that I would act on it so that I would sacrifice and I would serve. So I, I am fully persuaded that a very large part of this is understanding the spiritual gifts, as we said, and then pursuing love. I want the heart of God that I would love God's people, that I would care for them as he does, and I would then act on it. Lord, what can I do for your people? Where, where can I serve? Where can I put my hand to the work? I'm not positive what you've gifted me in at this point, Lord, but I, I'll take it. Whatever's out there, let, let me, let me give it a shot. I, I'll put my hand to the work wherever I can. So, the sincere care for the Lord's people. Again, these are two aspects of love. So I'm kind of taking my second point and breaking it into two to say, number one, understand spiritual gifts. Number two, pursue love, that we would love both the affection and the action of love. And I do believe that's a large part of it. Um, and then lastly, um, I cannot pull this specifically from the spiritual gifts text, but general from the scripture, we certainly have the ability to ask. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Uh, James 1, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Uh, Matthew 7, keep asking and seeking and knocking. Um, how many times will I have to ask? How much service will I have to do before I will be fully persuaded that this is the gift God's given me? That I don't have an answer to. And I don't think the scripture answers that specifically. But we can be persistent in our acts of love, in pursuing the heart of love, and in asking the Lord, Lord, where would you have me be? Please make it clear to me. And then again, certainly lots of other suggestions that I've mentioned. You can ask people around you. Hey, that's helpful. Um, you can consider which things you're drawn to. That's helpful as well. Um, none of those are the final answer. Okay, so question number one, I've given you uh, four brief things uh, and uh, regarding how to identify. Any comments on that? Please help me. Brothers. As an addition to that, sound counsel, uh, there's another step 
guidelines in Romans chapter 12, which is another chapter on spiritual gifts. You have 1 Corinthians 12. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's three ways that, that I think would be helpful. There is surrender, separation, and sound judgment. Now that's all in the text prior to the gifts. Mm-hmm. And I think it's all connected. In other words, surrender, right? Uh, every child of God is called to surrender or to present our bodies a living sacrifice to Amen. the Lord, right? Surrender, it's our reasonable service. And then there's, uh, <clears throat> there's a, a separation, right? So not only do I surrender myself to the Lord, but I separate from the world. Don't be conformed to the world. The spiritual gifts are for believers that are in the church. We're in the world, not of the world. So we want to separate. Don't be conformed to the world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may what? <laughs> Prove what is that acceptable, perfect will of God. So Spiritual gifts are vital because the Lord has given it to me, to all of us, and I want to prove what that is, right? And then uh, thirdly, uh, the sound judgment. I say to the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, to exercise sound judgment according as God has dealt to every man, every man the measure of faith. You know, one of the things with spiritual gifts, like you pointed out Sunday, is that the Corinthian church, right? They were... They were, they had, they came behind in no gift, but they were, they weren't exercising, not using sound judgment. Right. Right? So, so it's important if I want to discover, like you said, no, no, there's no, uh, uh, key to it, but we could, we could get a guideline at least from, first uh, Corinthians 12, possibly here in Romans 12, because then it goes on, for as we have many members in one body and all mm-hmm. members have not the same office, and then he goes on to, 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 to explain the gifts that are in the body. So mm-hmm. those three things, the three S's, right? We can, we can surrender, we can separate, and then we exercise sound judgment. Mm-hmm. Anything else from the brothers on that or any follow-up questions spe- specific to that? It is the work of the elders who are suffered and also it depends with the foundation of each and individual how did you come on in because if uh, spiritual things are like a child born and that is we got it in the book uh, the, the book of Peter talking about a child is born can only drink milk and then uh, uh, meat so that process when somebody remains faithful according to what we have been reminded from Roman 12, uh, gifts come automatic, depending with the individual desire with the Lord and commitment. And ideally, then it comes the responsibility of the, the shepherds to help the flock or a child identify who they are, mm-hmm. uh, according to how I've grown. And that's how I was helped to understand who I am. In, 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 in the church and mm-hmm. Ishmael, oh, uh, the Lord has put in you, uh, automatically you are doing like you were mentioning earlier. Mm-hmm. And the elders told me, you know what? The Lord has put a fire in you. You are an evangelist. You, you, you see? And, uh, truly it's coming out automatic. It's not somebody, something you are putting. Or you, you need to struggle to look around. Who am I? No. Unless you are living a kind of life. But I believe if somebody is truly born according to the word of God and is living right and as a desire mm-hmm. through prayer, very soon the Lord will explode the burden 
that has been laid in, in them, just poop, the automatic, and people will, and uh, the, the Lord will use the, the other the, the, the leaders or the other people just to tell them, you know, brother or sister, mm-hmm. you, the God is using you mightily. Mm-hmm. Oh, are you sure? Oh, yes. You know, we see it because it's the spirit communication. Mm-hmm. So I agree there might not be a specific formula to mm-hmm. do it, but identically, spiritually, even the way the Lord did with his disciple, you could see is calling them, then immediately identifying their each and everyone what is in them differently. Those disciples were called and each one, uh, every, each, each and every one of them mm-hmm. had got a different gifts mm-hmm. that the Lord identified. They, they didn't know themselves, but it came out. But later in the spirit time, now the, the work was transferred to the church and to the, church, the spirit of God with the head, mm-hmm. but then to the to the shepherds. I think the shepherds must be very sensitive, and because they they are answerable to the Lord, mm-hmm. to the flock they are carrying. So if I can, because they they must know the flock by their name. It's written. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it is not left hanging. There is a point whereby the Lord is guarded and protecting the church. And he knows, he has called people who are going to lead the flock as they grow and I help them identify where they fit mm-hmm. and as they serve in the, in the body of Christ. Thank you. Certainly. Okay, anything else on this? Yeah, I think the, the most important is to pray to the Lord, you know, to, to give you the minister, you know, the... Because we don't know what the Lord is going to open, what door is going to open for you, you know. Mm-hmm. And we don't know for sure because we have to preach the gospel to everybody, you know, like and the soccer minister and the hospital minister. So there's so many things we can pray to the Lord and, and He open open doors for anyone who wants to do, you know, like... A, what what gift mm-hmm. the Lord gives? So I think the the best thing is to pray. You know. Yeah, I agree. It's a large part of it for sure. Asking the Lord. Yeah, it says these words. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, if we live in the Spirit, well, of course we walk in the Spirit. No. Apparently, there's a separation. We can live in the Spirit and not be walking in the Spirit. So, apparently, there is this idea that we need to be walking in the Spirit. And these are called spiritual gifts. Therefore, it's going to be a supernatural manifestation of what these gifts are and how they're going to work out in our own lives and even the effects of them. All of that. We went over that. It's going to be a supernatural uh, uh, outlook. And, and and the key is to just simply be walking in alignment with the Spirit. Now, he may not reveal it right away. It may be t- some time involved there. That's right. But as per the, the supernatural working of the Spirit of God, which is the perfect mind and will of God, right. if we're walking in that, pretty soon they're going to be manifested. Right. 
a follow-up question, and we can still comment on this because it's very related. Um, and this is a sincere question, I do believe. But what do I do if I feel I am doing these general things, walking with the Lord and serving in the body of Christ and asking the Lord, and I'm still not sure what my spiritual gift is? That's a very legitimate, practical question, right? I think that there's probably some who would say, that's kind of me. I, I do, maybe I'm not walking perfectly, certainly, but I want, I'm, I'm seeking to walk in the Spirit, to love the Lord's people, to serve the Lord's people, to be surrendered to the Lord, and I'm still not really sure exactly what the Lord has called me to do as far as spiritual gifting. And I suppose the best that I, and I'm, of course, it's going to be open to discussion, but the best I can offer, and I think this has already been answered, is to keep on, to keep on. Um, I don't believe there's any scripture that suggests that if you're not positive what your spiritual gift is, that you should be discouraged or depressed or debilitated. That's not the idea. So we certainly don't want anyone, and I think that, uh, based on a little bit of feedback I've gotten, that that may be the case in certain individuals, that they might feel a little bit debilitated. Oh my goodness, this is so important. I'm still not sure what my spiritual gift is. I feel a bit depressed about it or discouraged. But I don't think that's the heart of God. The heart of God, the mind of God, is as I see it from the text here, and we're not going to go into tons and tons and tons of references, but is to press on, to continue on, pursue the Lord, pursue love, that we would act in love, have the affection, the heart of Christ, we would be surrendered to him, walking in the Spirit, and that it does seem that in time, I'm not sure exactly how long, but the Lord will make it evident. And certainly if ask. Yeah, ask people around you. Ask the elders. That certainly may help, no doubt about it. Um, we do see that modeled to some degree with Paul and Timothy, um, as far as it seems as though Paul had identified or even laid hands on Timothy. I don't think we can follow that exactly, but we certainly do know that the elders, part of their job is to shepherd and help lead or steer the flock, and I think that that would certainly be part of it. There's no doubt about it. So keep on, keep asking, keep acting, keep pursuing the heart of God, keep surrendering, keep walking in the Spirit. Don't be discouraged. Don't be debilitated by the fact that maybe you're not a thousand percent sure this is exactly what the Lord has gifted me to do, but keep on. Um, and there's texts like Galatians 6, 9, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. And others like Luke, 5, uh, Luke 11, there's a parable there. And, um, and others as well, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, um, to be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. There's definitely that aspect of faithfulness. Anything on that? Brother Dave. That phrase about Paul laying on hands of Timothy is somewhat, like you said, troublesome to know exactly what he's saying. Uh, certainly we see the practice in the early church of laying hands on the person as they prayed for them. But I was thinking of this dynamic between Paul and Timothy in specific, in that when Paul was traveling on that missionary journey where he saw Timothy, who had grown since the last time, uh, what it seems Timothy had come to know Christ through Paul's ministry the first time coming through his hometown, and he requested that Timothy join him in the ministry, right? And uh, later we see in Philippians where Paul says that he served with me as a son does his father. And therefore he said, listen, I have no one like-minded to send to you uh, because so many seek their own rather than Timothy who has a genuine heart for the people and he would serve that way. Well, it's interesting. Paul comes back in Second Timothy to encourage Timothy regarding his spiritual gift. 
Second Timothy 1, 6, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And often I've thought of that laying on of the hands regarding the, the, the idea of prayer, but that phrase of laying on of hands is also used in another way in 1 Timothy, where he's speaking to the local churches and, and to the, the elders in particular. And he says, Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. He, he's talking about those who have expressed desire, well, desire towards eldership in chapter 3, right? And so he's giving the qualifications of elders and he's giving exhortation to these, to Timothy and to the others. And he says not to lay hands on anyone too prematurely. And so that's not just a matter of praying, but we understand he's saying don't put anyone into service without really knowing them, right? So the laying on of hands is really all, uh, partly about um, bringing people alongside in ministry. And um, so, okay, all, bringing all this back. It seems that the way we all discover our own and other people's gifts is in the attempts to use them. Getting in the game, right? You don't find out how well you play the game while you're sitting on the bench. Right. You have to get in the game. And so... Uh, that seems to be the tenor of Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he says in First uh, Peter 4, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another, mm-hmm. right? So you, you know you have a gift, well, use it. And there's two different kinds. He says if it's speaking, well, let him speak as the oracles of God. And if it's ministering, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. And so... When you come back to the exhortation from 1 Corinthians 14, where he says, pursue love and Mm -hmm. desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. So if you've got the desire, I want to know what my gift is. I'm asking God for it. Well, he says, well, then pursue love. Mm -hmm. And so as we are in the assembly together with one another and we see needs, do something. Mm -hmm. Amen. Do something, and and for some of it, it may be like Timothy who says, well, let me just go along with you while you're doing what you're doing, and I'll just be a helper. And along the way, suddenly, you start discovering, oh, wow, there's a need, and hey, this guy right here, he helps coordinate all of our efforts, and, and he's got a gift for administration or or leadership, and or someone, man, I, while I'm t- listening to what this guy says, this person, they've disappeared and they're coming back with the thing that we needed, and uh, uh, they have a natural gift towards that helps or service. And uh, But we don't discover them while we're sitting on the bench, right? It's in the pursuing of the love, right. and while we're desiring to be active, that the Lord seems to manifest that. And Proverbs 18 says, a man's gift makes room for him, hmm. right? As As... As we see the success of one another while we're serving, we want to see it successful. And so, we, hey, let this guy do what he does because he does it well. Uh, and, and so we see that dynamic unfolding in the Word of God. But th- that seems a little bit too unscientific to most of our minds. But just as an example, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make this quite so long, but it seems to be coming from so many different places in Scripture. When the Israelites were traveling in in after leaving Egypt and God was giving instruction for the, uh, the the instructions for the construction of the tabernacle he says in Exodus 31 to Moses God says 
See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. And he talks about all the ways in which he was designing various things of gold and silver and bronze, etc. Right? But basically the Bible is saying the Holy Spirit put this ability to do this work into this specific person. And so God's saying, I have called him specifically to be able to do this task. And then as the instructions were finally given and the time comes, here's what it says in chapter 36. It says, And Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord had put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary, he says, they shall do according to all that God has commanded. But listen to this. Then Moses and Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom and everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. So God gave an ability, but then he said he also put it into their hearts to desire to do this work, right? So there was all these workers out there who had an ability. God had put it into their hearts, but now here was the need and they basically gave a call and said, all you who are workers in these crafts, if you've got a desire to, be, to, to, to get involved, come. And they all came. So how does that work with spiritual gifts? Obviously, building the tabernacle is a physical thing, but there seems to be a, an example here of a pattern is that God gives an ability, but with it, he gives a desire to use it. And so when we're here in our local church and we hear about someone who's got a need or we observe one, it seems that God puts a sensitivity, like you said, the heart of the Lord. He was moved with compassion when he saw particular needs and he was moved to do something. And so we should respond to those things instead of wondering, well, why doesn't anybody ever go do that? Well, maybe God's stirring in us because that's an area of our gift and he wants us to get involved. But if we've never tried it before, we may not have the confidence to try. But if we're pursuing love, as we've been saying, and take those opportunities, we will see those things manifest and the Lord will reward us in our own hearts by showing us, hey, you do have a gift in that. Mm, so. Thank you. Uh, because just as the brother is sharing, there is the, the, the converted and the one who led them have got a responsibility together. So sometimes confusion comes when either one party is not doing their job right. Mm. And that is very visible in many churches. Because young people are hanging, they don't know what should we do or what they may do. But the question is, are the elders or the mature brothers, even if we don't accuse elders, but are the mature brothers in, in, the, in the spirit really willing to welcome, like Paul tell Timothy, accompany me? Mm -hmm. How many times, how, how often in love you've reminded us, we are quick to really not leave any chance. Mm -hmm. Whoever the Lord bring close, right. no matter what, the, how they still behave, but are we willing in love to embrace everybody so that the Spirit of the Lord will do his job to, to separate the sheep and the what? But we are there faithfully, not giving chance one to say, oh, I never got any opportunity to express myself. Sure. You get what I mean? Sure. So in, in this, kind of two-dimensional uh, uh, way of approach within the assembly if each party 
does their, take their responsibility correct. The convertee and the one, the, the ones leading, both of them are keen listening from the Holy Spirit. This issue of gifts will not be a problem. It will come automatically. A brother say the supernatural. The manifestation will be automatic. Because when I serve and when we go to pray, all young people like they have attended, they are with us. They observe. And I think it come out very clearly in Exodus when the, the, the remembrance of the Passover. Mm-hmm. You remember they were told, keep on rem- uh, doing this and sowing your children. And when they ask you, tell them this is the day. You see, it's a continue. God has set a formula of how to carry on his church even to the end. There is no vacuum or neither gap. But sometimes you find there is a challenge in the church and we are, we keep on wondering, the young people wonder or the elders wonder or everybody wonder. I think that's where we need to come back just to be obedient to the spirit of God and each one and each and every one of us take their position positively and submit to Christ and to the Holy Spirit and the rest the Lord will do. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's where I've seen. It's a practical. When we were taught recently, a brother shared about leadership and uh, uh, passing the baton. This is what he said. He said there are three stages. Right? Stage one, bring them together with you. Do it and you are they are watching. You see, you keep, you put them watching how you are now in front of us. We are seeing how you are doing. Then the next step, right? Bring them to let them stand where you are standing and you are sitting watching them doing. Mm-hmm. Right? The third stage, now you will tell them, you go do what you did and I'm not there. Bring me report. So you see, it's, it's like, a <laughs> It's a three stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah? You are with them, mm-hmm. them sitting watching. Mm-hmm. Then the second stage, let them stand where you normally stand mm-hmm. and you are sitting, not, not them alone. Mm-hmm. You are watching how they do it. If there is where they are not doing right, you correct them. Right? The third stage, let them do it even when you are not there. And mm-hmm. let, but you are listening, maybe standing outside, <laughs> listening the way they are doing. Then they, they give report. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this is just a, 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 an idea which yeah. bring home how do we identify. Mm-hmm. But it all depends with the one desiring to do it. Mm-hmm. Many times nowadays we have arrogance in the church whereby even the young people, somebody have never been submissive mm-hmm. under the leadership. And even if you ask them, who is your mentor in the spirit? They may not say who. Or they don't even understand. And yet they reach a point, some claim, yes, even me, I can do it. But truly they don't have proper background of being submissive to the spirit in the church. This brings a problem. Mm-hmm. And that brings us back again to the, the situation where Elisha and Elijah, you see, somebody was just carrying the bag, and that's all. But just observing, you see, how many times nowadays we have people like that in the church who are just ready to walk with the mature people and learning and patiently 
So we, we just need revival <laughs> so that we come back to what the Spirit want the church so that these things will just flow mm-hmm. like the, the first church. There was no struggle. Immediately, things were just happening, boom, as the Spirit was leading the church hmm. because they were all submissive mm-hmm. to Thank one you. another. Thank you. Okay. Anything else in that regard? Okay, we have one minute. I'm going to read you a question, give you a two-second answer, and then we can think about it for next time. Um, Could I have more than one spiritual gift? This is also a very practical and reasonable question. Could I have more than one spiritual gift? Um, My answer is not 100% positive. It sure seems possible to me that a Christian could have more than one spiritual gift. Um, Some would argue because Paul, when talking to Timothy, says the gift on two different occasions, at least two different occasions, that because he says the gift, that that must be um, indicative that everyone only has one specific gift. And um, I suppose that's possible. I don't see the scripture emphatically telling us that we do have multiple spiritual gifts or that we could not have more than one spiritual gift. I don't see it either way myself, um, but certainly we can we can think about that and discuss it. I would say that um, it does not seem the heart of the Lord and of the layout of body life that any few particular individuals have basically all of the gifts and carry on all of the work. That's certainly not the idea. But it is many different body parts, all of the parts for that matter, that have their individual gifting. Um, one gift, maybe more than one. I'm not certainly positive. I'm open to hearing things about that. But it's not the idea that there's just a handful with tons of gifts that do basically everything and the rest do not. That's not the picture. Everyone is gifted to one degree or another. And one gifting or another, and um, all encouraged to participate. So we are at our time. Um, let's close. I'm just going to say that yeah. We remind everyone. I, you didn't read the rest of your question, but we could still send. Our yeah, yeah. Still send questions. Correct. Next week and beyond, we weren't certain exactly how much content we would have tonight. Maybe we'll do it again like this next week and then have a split group. We'll see how this goes. But it's certainly very good to discuss this, and I appreciate practical feedback. When I finished on Sunday, somebody lovingly said, you didn't get to your last point, which is the only thing I cared about, which is how do I identify my spiritual gifts? So I said, oh, I'm sorry. That's a very good practical question. So hopefully we gave some content on that tonight, and uh, we'll continue as the weeks go on. Do send me any other questions that come to your mind, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word that is our guidebook. We thank you for the light that it gives to us and the ability we have to look into it. And though, Lord, uh, not everything in the Christian life or perhaps not much in the Christian life is strictly formula, we do look to you, we do look to your spirit to give us guidance, uh, to give us good understanding. And we do ask that you'd help us as we seek to love and to help one another, as we've been reminded uh, very passionately that we have the opportunity and obligation to labor with one another, to mentor one another, to help one another. So we ask your help in this regard. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.